Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is the first episode of season three. Now, we've already had a discussion about how season three was going to go and uh, a little disappointed on this end because I wanted to do a video version from episode one, uh, which is Turf Talk Thursday, the Thursday of opening week of the NFL season, which is September 7th. But instead of disappointing by not having the video element ready, I didn't want to disappoint with content that wasn't on par with what I wanted to put out. And the video element will be a lot better with some additional uh, stuff so that I can do some graphics, things like that. Uh, And that wasn't yet ready. So my apologies on that. But wanted to get you the content that you wanted uh, for the season because I know a lot of you like to do certain things. Those things include um, you know, making some decisions on the games, just in case you like to put, you know, some, some ducats down on the games. So I like to give you some advice on each and then even some fantasy advice for the Thursday night game. You know, I do fantasy football Fridays as well, where I discuss all the fantasy football games for that upcoming week slate. I do a make good Monday, which is basically me making good for these Thursday night suggestions. I can't just tell you, Hey, Here's what I expect to happen and then never make good on it. So I'll go over what happened in the games and also make good. And then I will do week side Wednesdays. That's where I do other topics that are outside of just discussion of the game. It's still related to the NFL. So there'll be discussion points, whether it's uh, things like, um, you know, the the contract situation with uh, how running backs are being treated and how to restructure some things to make it work out. That's an example of something I talk about on week side Wednesdays, and it's a little more open form, so I, didn't, I might even bring up college football. But considering what happened on Sunday night this past week, I don't want to talk about college football this week. <laughs> so without further ado, I want to get you this information because it is a little late on this Thursday. It is 5.05 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so the game is going to be on in roughly three hours. So by the time this is done... You won't have a lot of time to listen to it. So let's go ahead and jump into the first game of the season, which is happening tonight. The Super Bowl champions, defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs are hosting everyone's darling from last year's uh, hard knocks that people expect to take a big step this year, the Detroit Lions. And you know what? This is my first show. I could clean it up. But the mistake was made is this. What are Turf Talk Thursdays, which is today? Turf Talk Thursdays, as I said, is where I go over some stuff. But I want to give you more context on the show, especially if you're new to it. So what I will do is I will discuss the upcoming games, each of the games on the slate. I will give you the line from the game. I will give you the over-under from the game. And I'll give you the score that I predicted prior to seeing the line. That's when I'll attach confidence points to it. Basically... Each game has 10 confidence points that could be related to it. And I can spread them out throughout the game. So if there's 16 games this week, I have 160 confidence points that I can put out there. So some games I might have a lot of confidence in, both the over-under and the spread, so they'll get a lot more confidence points. Some I'm unsure on. They'll get less. I try not to ever put a zero on a certain line or any item because I feel like that is unfair and kind of cheating. But I will do that in certain circumstances, whether it's weather related or, you know, a major injury or something has to happen major. 
I usually don't put anything <clears throat> higher than a nine on it because if I put a 10 on it, that means it's a lock. I expect that to, to 100% happen. I put my own money on it, that it'll happen. So I don't do many of those. Uh, in fact, I might do one every couple of weeks. The more points, the more confident I am. So those are the ones you wanna bet on if you do decide to make any betting decisions. The ones that I have less than five on, so if I have seven, eight, nine, if I have less than five, if I have two, three, uh, even one, I have no confidence. That's a bet at your own risk. So I just wanted to get that out there so you understood the context of the show before we got into it. Uh, I'll do that each week to some extent, but especially on the first episode of the, of the season opener, I want to make sure to get that content to you so you know what you're dealing with. So without further ado, we're going to get into this game. Now, this one is interesting because Chris Jones is holding out on the Kansas City side and you have an injury to Travis Kelsey, so it's still un- un- unclear whether or not he's going to play. You'll know 90 minutes before the game whether or not he's going to be in this one and play. On the other side, the Detroit Lions are in a more difficult situation, in my opinion. See, Kansas City is dealing with injuries. One, they were very aware of, well, people not being there. One, they were very aware of. They planned on Chris Jones not being there because he said he wasn't going to be there. The Travis Kelsey injury does change some of their game plan, but here's the thing. They've been down and out before. They have the luxury of playing at home, and they're used to the big game environment. Detroit, on the other hand, that's why I said they're in a worse position. They have expectations now. See, expectations are the thing that either makes success happen or ruins any relationship, any situation. You know, if you have improper expectations, that's when you can get failures. Now that they have these expectations that they're going to do really well, how do they handle it? I do have faith that they're going to play well tonight. And I do think that they're going to actually attack a lot with getting the ball out of Jared Goff's hands quickly and try not to let those guys rally up. Also, they're going to do a lot of run game, especially to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes and company. On the other side of the ball, like I said, On defense, that's where I have a bit of a concern when it comes to Detroit. You can be as prepared as you want to be, but they're playing against a team that's not the same team each year. This team plays in the structure that's offered to them. When it was Tyree Kill, it was big bombs and go over the top and Kelsey underneath. They lost Tyree Kill and people thought they had no chance to do anything, uh, especially not win the Super Bowl. And they went to quick scats, a lot of, you know, that play corn dog that they used in the Super Bowl. They didn't use that particular play, the one where the receiver cuts in underneath and then zags straight out. They didn't use that much during the season, but they used a lot of motion, basically to make defenses declare. Detroit's defense needs to be ready for that. And with Emmanuel Mosley being out tonight, that's going to be a problem. On Kansas City's side, Kansas City is going to be forced and Spagnuolo is going to have to go to more traditional because this is one of the few teams in the NFL that can take receivers off the field. A lot of people are playing what's called 11 personnel. That's where you have one running back and one tight end slash, you know, flex fullback or whatever. Usually three receivers on the field. Detroit, because of not having those receivers offered to him with Jamison Williams being out for suspension, may go more heavy. You know, more two backs, more two tight ends, things like that. And Kansas City had a lot of success playing five or six DBs last year and keeping their linebackers off the field. 
This is why I think this will be more of a high scoring game, because I think Detroit will use that run game, use their personnel wisely and be able to get after Kansas City on the offensive side of the ball because no Chris Jones. So no interior pressure at the same rate. And also they're more comfortable playing in nickel on the opposite side of the ball. I think the Kansas City will be able to score because they will be able to open things up a little more. They'll have faster tight ends that will be in sets. Kelsey is Kelsey. He's amazing at what he does. But they'll have faster tight ends and odd sets offered. They'll also be able to use some of their more secretive stuff that they usually wouldn't break out, but they got some in the bag. I'm expecting this one to be a 31-27 Kansas City Chiefs victory in Arrowhead. It's going to start off a little slow, and then you'll see fireworks, especially in the third period of this game. Now, the over-under on this is 4.5 for Kansas City, so I'm actually technically taking the Detroit Lions. I put a confidence level of 3 on that. I do think that Kansas City is going to win no matter what. I think it's very, I think it's, they play this game 10 times in the same scenario. I think the Kansas City wins nine. The problem is covering four and a half, that's an awkward number. And Kansas City does win a lot of close games when the opponent is game, which I do think Detroit's going to show up game for this. The over-under is 53 and a half. I have a total of 58. I have a confidence level of four on this. I think because it starts off slow, there's a chance that they don't get to that total without having Kelsey on the field. Both teams could actually end up running the ball a little more, trying to wear the clock out. So that's why I don't have uber confidence on it. All in all, like I said, I have Kansas City winning, but I have Detroit covering and I have the overhitting. Let's move on to the 1 1 p.m. slate. So I'm going to do a little less uh, of what could be offered uh, for games than... I would for that that Thursday night game. And by the way, from a fantasy standpoint, you want to start both running backs, especially David Montgomery, for the Lions. You also want to start Jameer Gibbs, but I think Montgomery, because of how they're probably going to utilize the run game, is the more apt person to get targets. Obviously, you're starting tomorrow Ross St. Brown no matter what. Um, you're sitting both defenses. I don't think you were playing either. You want to sit uh, Sam Laporta, not because he's not a talented guy, but I don't think those tight ends are going to get utilized nearly as much because of the matchups there. On the opposite side, you want to start Sky Moore. That's the guy you want to start. If you want a dart throw, you want Reed as dart throw at wide receiver or even Valdez Scantling. Less Kadarius Toney because I think that he won't be utilized as much because he wasn't in camp the whole time. He wasn't in the preseason. He, He was injured the whole time. Obviously, you're starting Mahomes and you're starting golf. Uh, This is a pretty fantasy-friendly game, but I just wanted to get that out there for you. All right, we're going to get to the 1 p.m. slate of games. So the first one on the slate is a divisional matchup where the Panthers are playing against the Falcons. Now, this is going to be an an interesting one because you have the hold-in, they're calling it, with Brian Burns on the Panthers' side, and you saw what their offensive line did during the preseason. It was They ran vanilla stuff, but they could not do anything in the past game like they really couldn't because the offensive line looked lost they started to look a little better at the end of the season i think part of it was also the the defensive lines that they played against on the atlanta side atlanta got better on defense they just really did improving getting two safeties in there jesse bates Vaughn bell can get some things done you're expecting a secondary to improve as well and changing things up from dean peace where it was more you know disguise and blitz Oriented, I think they're going to try to shell over and, and hold a little more here. 
So I do expect this to be a little bit of a slowed down game uh, with Atlanta trying to control the clock. Carolina doing a little bit more in the run game to, as well to control the clock. But I, I expect Atlanta to control this game pretty much from start to finish, not blow this team out. But I think that they will control the game. I think you get a late score by the Panthers to bring it closer. And I have the Atlanta winning 24 to 18. I like what Bryce Young is. I think he's exceptional. And he looks really comfortable. But that offensive line scares me. And that's the thing that worries me. And why I don't think Carolina is going to win this game. I think they have the talent to be really good this year. But they're not showing it. And having Brian Burns doing what he's doing right now. Don't blame him. He's trying to get paid. Um, is also of concern. Now Atlanta's three and a half point favorites. So I have them covering that. I only give it a conference level of five. It should be higher. But one of the things that comes into play here is. What happens with Atlanta? They still have a a young quarterback, second-year QB. You still have pieces that are moving. And also, does that defense gel well since now it's a new coordinator? You might have better pieces than you may have had last year, but it's a new coordinator. You never know how that comes through. So I think this is a comfortable one to bet, but I I wouldn't just say you have to bet on this game. The over-under is 39.5. I have them covering with the over uh, with 42 combined points, again, with a late score, so you'll probably be sweating it. I put a constant level of four on this. I can see this be a slowed down game. Both teams want to be more run oriented, especially Atlanta. So usually that's an underscore. 42 is a pretty pretty low score. That used to be the average. Then it's moved up to like 47, 46 as the average over the last couple of years. So this is a low one. I think they're expecting a lot of confusion from young quarterbacks uh, to be contributing factors. Next one, another divisional matchup. You're going to have the Bengals at the Browns. Now, this one is a sneaky one to me. And the reason it's sneaky is because multiple people are picking the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. And that's not a bad pick. The Bengals have been to the Super Bowl in the last couple of years and been to the AFC Championship the last two years in a row. But, and it's not even the Joe Burrow injury, it's the Browns. The Browns are going to be better than people think. I'm not saying that they're going to be world beaters and win a Super Bowl, but they're going to be better than people think. Also, Joe Burrow's record as a starting quarterback against the Browns is 1-4, including 0-2 in Cleveland. That does not mean, quote-unquote, much, but it means something. It means that the style at which they play and the way Miles Garrett gets after them is effective, and they've improved pieces across the board on offense and on defense. I'm expecting the Browns to get the victory here in a close one, 24 to 21. The Bengals also tend to come out a little sloppy. Remember last year against the Steelers where they just came out and threw like 19 picks? Actually, really, Joe Burrow had four. And now he's coming in with the calf. I think that they get off to a slow start because they don't believe in playing players in the preseason. Um, And no shade. They're using their first couple of games as the preseason because they know that they can get 11 wins under their belt by the season's end. This is one of their losses uh, on the slate. Again, 24-21, I have the Browns winning. Now, the Bengals are two-point favorites. I knew this one beforehand because it was higher and it's been talked about at nauseum. There were about three-point favorites, went down to two and a half, down to two. It even almost shifted fully when Burrow might not have played, so that's why I knew. I have a comments level of six on this because I do think outright that the Browns win this one. I would say Brett the Browns on this one, even with that small line. Because, again, 
I would actually say like this. If you want to put something down, go with the money line because it'll pay more because I think they went straight up. You don't want something weird happening where, you know, you, you put, you know, two down and they blow them out or the Bengals win by three and you ended up losing your two point bet anyway. If it was three, at least you get the push. But it's two. So it's a weird one to not just take the money line on. You take the money line there. That's what you do. So confidence level is six. Uh, the over-under is 48. I have the under. Again, I think that it is less of a high-scoring game. The Bengals won't be as explosive, at least, you know, with Burrow coming back, won't be able to run as well, etc. And the Browns are looking to kind of mitigate risk early on. They want to prove that Deshaun Watson project out. They'll be more explosive later in the season, I believe. I only have a confidence level of four on this because this is a theory I don't feel comfortable because the teams are both good enough where they might, you know, jab and figure each other out a little bit before they actually throw haymakers. Going to move on to the next game in another divisional matchup with the Jags at the Colts. Now, the Jags are a bunch of people's darlings and even like a sneaky uh, Super Bowl selection by some folks. And I think they're going to be good. My early iterations, I actually thought the Titans were going to win a division. Some of my opinions changed on that uh, with some of the things that they've done, but the Jags are a good team. The Colts are a sneaky team because the Colts don't have all that talent that you would expect them to have with Jonathan Taylor being on PUP right now. But they have a guy with some of the best upside to come in the league in the last pretty much ever from a quarterback standpoint in Anthony Richardson. I think that the Colts actually do more on offense than you expect, and the defense isn't going to be as porous as you expect because I do believe in this. I do believe the Jacksonville Jaguars will come in a little bit. This is an easy one. They won't come in as tense as if it was Kansas City or Buffalo or Philadelphia, and they do let this game linger a little bit until the talent kind of takes over late, but I have them winning 27-20. to the line kind of agrees with me to some extent where it's the Jags only favored by five. In a game like this with the talent disparity that's seen here, Jags should be eight-point favorites. They really should. Seven or eight-point favorites. Now, they are on the road. But even so, five feels low. I would have gone with six and a half if I was setting this line to be accurate and get people to try to mess with people because that's when I think you can get a lot of betters on this game. I think five points makes people kind of shy away from betting on this game. Um, that's why I actually put it even. I put it back five points. I put five confidence points. It's a it's a you pick them. Because this line is where it is, it is a, it is a shady line to me. I don't like it. Uh, 45 and a half is the over under. I have the over by a point and a half. Another one that's a shady line. I don't blame them. This one is actually set pretty accurately to me. Um, I have five points on that one as well because this is a you pick them game. You'll probably, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, you're probably going to put a bunch of money on it, and I can't tell you you're wrong. But what I'll tell you is don't put a bunch of money on it. Just put some. All right, moving on to a game in my first real upset situation. I hate saying this. I'm going to start there, but got to be honest. I think that a team from the NFC South will go on the road and win a game in week one. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Minnesota Vikings. 
Reason being, I think that Minnesota truly doesn't understand what they're getting themselves into with their offense. See, we can sit here and understand why Tampa probably won't win the division. Very likely will come in either third or fourth, which is the offense, namely the quarterback, because he's so helped to skelter, right? You don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde. But the defense, it is a little older, but it's healthier. At every level, they have an all-pro caliber player, whether it's Jamel Dean, whether it's Antoine Winfield Jr., whether it's Levante David, whether it's on the defensive line with Vita Vea. Every level, they still have a really good defense, and Todd Bowles is still the coach, if I'm not mistaken. Adding Kalaja Campbell, maybe uh, uh, Joe Tryon, Shreika, gets it back in gear and understands how to get after the quarterback like he did in college at Washington. That's where I think that Minnesota falters here. I actually think their defense plays a lot better, if I'm not mistaken. They have Brian Flores as their defense coordinator now. With him as their coordinator, I actually think the Minnesota defense plays better. That's why if you're listening to fantasy football analysts who say, oh, play them because Minnesota's secondary is terrible and they played 10 yards off, that was the defensive coordinator last year who, honestly, I don't know what the heck he was doing. Flores and company, no matter what talent they have there, will play a lot better. I don't think Mike Evans is a play this week. That's for another show and another day. But what I'm telling you is that offense on the Bucks, I think, will chop wood. They're going to make sure Baker may feel safe. There's going to be a lot of Chris Godwin. There's going to be a lot of dump-offs to Rashad White to mitigate risk and let that defense take care of stuff. I actually see a pick six in this game happening. That's why the Bucks winning 24-21. Um, Minnesota's a five-and-a-half point favorite. I have a seven, uh, a se- a seven as the confidence score on this for the Bucks covering. And, you know, part of it is also Baker Mayfield. I'm still, I would be more confident if it was a quarterback that wasn't so risky. You know, someone more averse to risk like, uh, like Kyle Trask. But... Because of the doubt I have in Minnesota's offense to function the way they want to against this defense, I do think that the covers here, even if Minnesota wins this game straight up, five and a half points is a lot to cover for a team that's not better. That's more than Jacksonville is favored over the Colts. Even though they're at home, still, it's a little weird. Now, the over-under is 45 and a half. I have my score at 45. So technically, I have the under, but I only have a confidence level of three on this. Um, I don't know what to do with that because it's too close. It's just I'm a, a half point off. So too close, nothing to do with it. Bet at your own risk, but I would say stay away from that over-under. I think it's a sketchy over-under for betting purposes. All right, so we're going to go to my game. I'll be in the building for this one. The Tennessee Titans are taking on the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Now, before the season started, I actually picked Tennessee to win this game. See, I'm less of a homer than people think I am. I try to be as good of an analyst as feasibly possible because the point of the job is to do that, give you the proper information. Now, I have my emotions and I've been caught with, you know, the Saints or with, you know, LSU or with Florida or any of these these teams. But in general, I try to be as honest as possible. But seeing what I saw in the preseason and knowing what I know of these squads, it gave me a little bit of a shift on how this would go. Derek Carr looked good in the preseason. 
And I think the Saints will come out and their offense will look good. It'll stay on schedule, stay on track. They're going to run. the. It's going to be very balanced. It's almost going to be, you know, 50-50, but more like 54-46 uh, pass to run. Um, and I think that they'll be able to move the ball and score the ball because Tennessee's secondary, for some reason, just struggles uh, far too often. Uh, but their defensive line is legit, especially with Landry getting back in the, in the fold and, and having a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, who is just a beast in the middle. The opposite side, though, Tennessee, they were a little concerning. Uh, Tannehill doesn't look the same anymore. Um, the other quarterbacks, you know, um, Will Levis, I don't think he's ready if, if he was asked to start. Um, Willis, he's improved year over year so much, but he's not ready either. Um even with DeAndre Hopkins, I think I was a little fooled by him coming in and just dominating. I think it's going to be actually a little more Traylon Burks being worked in. Uh, that might score. And then Derrick Henry. Saints have always just had a pretty stellar defense against running backs that try to run into them. <clears throat> so I have the Saints 24-17 in this one. I even thought 24-20 to, to 20 at one point, but really think that it's going to be one of those games played between the 30s some punts are going to happen but the Saints will be able to stay on schedule more than Tennessee will be able to and that's why they score more points and get the victory here Um, Saints are three point favorites so I have a confidence level of six I do think the Saints can cover that three I don't think it's a last second field goal I think that they control the game not completely the whole game where it's just oh it was never close no, I just think they're in control of the game. They feel like the team that's the better team uh, that day, unless something crazy happens, which turnovers can sway any game. But for now, New Orleans feels like a good cover on three. Um, my over, The over-under is 41, and my score is 41. So I have an NA here. I can't tell you to bet the over or the under because my score came in at the over-under. So that's why there's no confidence score here. This is a steer-clear stay-away because... It feels too even. So it could go either way. Too much of a swing. All right. Next game. Another upset special. Get it out of the way. 49ers at the Steelers. I have the Steelers in this one. I think that both defenses are going to show up. Nick Bosa just got paid. He's going to come back and he's going to play good football. Because I think he did train by himself. But he's not going to be Nick Bosa. Not because he can't be. Because... It's hard to be that when you haven't had reps. Steal the whole defense back. TJ Watt still TJ Watt. Okay. The difference is I'm actually trusting the Steelers offense more than the 49ers offense here because I don't think George Kittle's going to play. An adductor injury to a guy who plays tight end. Um, I, I just don't think he ends up playing. And if he does, he's not George Kittle. So out of the two units, I do think that you can take more. Both both uh, defensive backfields, the corners, can be taken advantage of by these stellar receivers on both sides. I just don't think the quarterbacks are, you know, neither is Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. But I think Kenny Pickett gets the better here. Playing at home also, again, Steelers 23, 49ers 20. Uh, San Francisco is a two-and-a-half point favorite here. I think it actually moved from three down to two-and-a-half. Uh, confidence level of five on this. Bet at your own risk. 
you know, make your decision. I don't think it's bad if you take the 49ers because it is down to two and a half. If it was at three, I'd actually have more confidence points for the Steelers on this one. But two and a half, you know, I think you can take the 49ers and get out of there with a three point win. But I think you can also take the Steelers getting this W as well. Over under 41. I have a combined score of 43. Um, so I'm taking the over. I could see this being one of those annoying, terrible, ridiculous to watch 1916 games where teams move the ball, they get in the red zone, and the defenses bow up. So I only have a confidence level of three on that because I did say an over. I don't know if they're over or cover. So confidence level of three, I would tell you to steer clear of that one. Now you've been hearing a lot of steer clear from me. So let's get into to some confident betting. I have the Cardinals at the Commanders. Now the news was announced uh, that Josh Jobs is going to be the starter. Josh Jobs has been in camp for less than double-digit days. So, he's the starter. Clayton Toon, their rookie, is the backup. They're devoid of talent at some positions. They're still trying to figure things out. And then you have the Commanders, who I think got the best thing possible for them. When I heard the reports that people were complaining about Airbnb being too tough on them, I realized... You finally needed a foot up your tail because that dude just came from winning another Super Bowl. Five straight AFC championship games. And you have been a Moribund organization for years. Of course, you're used to being pathetic or let's just go with mediocre. And it was hard for you to deal with a winner. But you're talented enough to actually take it. And eventually, and it wasn't every player. Let's start there. It was some players and probably players who needed their butts kicked. But they needed that. Now they have that. So I think they're going to come out there with their hair on fire and play against a team that's not going to be ready. Um, so I have the Commanders winning this one 28-13. Pretty easy fashion. They should go not up and down the field on offense, but I think that defense gets after it. Finally having Chase uh, Young back. I think that the... They're not able to take care of it or take advantage of, you know, decent cornerback play on the uh, commander side. So that's why 28-13, they may move the ball a little bit, but they won't be able to do much. Uh, Washington's a seven-point favorite here. I have a confidence level of 10. This is a stone-cold lock of the century of the week, which I don't do often. I already told you. I don't give 10s out all willy-nilly. I think that they take care of business. They're at home playing against a West Coast team. In the early game, which is statistically bad, I think it's like a 28% win percentage. If you take if you take Seattle out of it, it goes down because for some reason Seattle, when Russell Wilson was playing there, does did well in one o'clock games on the East Coast. I don't know, but I feel like this one is a, a fair slam dunk. Uh, if you're in a survival pool and you want to make sure you make it to week two, this is one of the games to take. Uh, I'll be discussing the other one next, but. This is this feels like a safe seven-point bet. They'll have to do something wrong. Buda Baker will have to do something amazing on the defensive side of the ball to stop this. And the offense will have to go off. But I just don't expect it. Uh, the over-under on this is 38. I have a combined score of 41. I only put a five on this. And the reason is I understand the over-under. They don't expect Arizona to score at all. But I do expect for the commanders to score. I think the commanders could, especially if this team gives up the Cardinals, they could score to 38 by themselves, which I've actually seen 
in games where I'm like, you know what, the over under 41, and someone's playing against the Texans when they weren't good. I think it was like the Chiefs, and they score the 41 by themselves. It's just so I could see that happening. I only put a confidence level of five on it because I don't know if Arizona is going to be able to score. But I, I I would lean you towards taking the over in this one. All right, the next game we're getting some confidence points up. It's the Texans at the Ravens. Look, I feel like this one is pretty simple. It could be a trap game, but nothing about it screams trap game. Usually when you have trap games, I remember uh, they did something on the NFL Network where they're like, week one lies to you, where you'll have a team come out and surprise a team. And one of the big surprise surprises was uh, like they used, uh, what is it, Arizona two years ago when they dominated the Titans. And then the Titans ended up with a one seed and Arizona ended up with, uh, you know, they were terrible and made it to the playoffs and got shellacked. That wasn't this instance. That team was really good and got injured across the board. Or New Orleans in 2018 when the Bucks came in and, and, and did them in with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They had a veteran. And they had a unit that was together. And that team played well because they had the talent. They just weren't ready. Right? They weren't ready to proof out that they were actually that good. The only one that looks close to this is when the Jaguars came out and won a game and ended up with the number one overall pick. Like they won a game and then lost 15 straight. Could I see that happening here? Sure, anything can happen, but I put a, a 1% chance on it. Uh, CJ Stroud is still learning. He's eventually going to be good, um, but he's not there yet. They have a rookie head coach as well, D'Amico Ryans. Who will he eventually be a good head coach? I believe so. But they're they don't have the talent yet. And they're playing on the road against a team that has something to prove, not a team that's gonna rest on their laurels. Remember, this is the new team and new system for the Baltimore offense where they're gonna try to prove points. So I have the Ravens winning 31-17, and I'm giving the 17 to the Texans because I think that the Ravens will let off the gas late in the game, not on purpose, but because it does happen. You start playing softer. C.J. Stroud gets in the rhythm. They get the ball to Tank Dell. He he strikes with the band and gets a late touchdown, something like that. Baltimore is a 10-point favorite. Biggest line of the week. I have a confidence level of 9 on them covering this because I do think that the Texans can keep it inside of 10, so I can't put it as a lock, but I would strongly advise you if you were to bet on that to take that big line. It is a big line, and sometimes, especially, it's usually like one of the three biggest lines each year ends up being ruined. And the funny part is that could still happen because guess what? I have the Minnesota Vikings who are five and a half point favorites, which is tied for the third biggest line, losing outright. Because it makes a little sense in that. That team, the Bucks aren't as bad as they could be. It's just I think they'll fall apart late because the quarterback is going to not be consistent. So confidence level of nine on that 10 point spread for Baltimore. 43 and a half is the over under. I have a combined score of 38, so I have the under. This is a very similar situation, except 43 and a half is a lot for Baltimore to cover by themselves. If Baltimore were to blow them out, it'd be like a 41 nothing game or something like that, or 38 to 3, not covering the 43 and a half. I do have a confidence level of six because I don't think that the Texans will be shut out. I think that they have enough talent to get some points on the board, but that is. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I have the over on that, 48 points. That's where the conference level of six comes in. Okay, my apologies. Um, so yes, conference level of six on that. 
because I do think the Ravens will score points. I also think the Texans are able to score points as well because the Ravens defense is good, but they're not great yet. All right, 425 slated games. Let's get them going so we can get these games over for you. All right, Packers at Bears. Before the season started, I had the Bears not only winning this game, but winning the division. I still think they can, but I'm a little iffy on it. I think it's going to be one of those old school NFC East type scenarios, old school NFC South type scenarios where every team is like nine and eight. But in this first game, I like what I've seen out of Green Bay, and I think their defense is stronger. I do have the Packers winning this one, 24 to 21. I think Fields looks really good compared to people's expectations. Uh, You know who you are. But I do think the Packers are a better overall team at this particular stage. I could see very easily the, the Bears also winning this game. They are at home. The weather should be pretty nice. So 24, 21, I'm going with the Packers currently. The Bears are one point favorites. I have a confidence level of two on this. The reason is, again, this is a toss-up game. This is a stay away from, and this is a lesson-learn game. Learn some lessons about both of these teams from this game. Do not bet on it. Over-under is also kind of sketchy here to me because I don't know what they're going to come out and do. I do have the over here with a combined score of 41, uh, 45. The over-under is 42. I have a confidence level of three on it. This is a stay away from game. Do not bet on this game. There's nothing to be gleaned from it unless you are a Packers fan who wants to bet on your team or a Bears fan that wants to bet on your team. If you're an, an avid better or you know a, a regular better, any of that, steer clear. The Sharps will steer clear. Sharps probably put money on the Packers straight up and try to make a little bit of coin off of it, but I would steer clear of this game. All right, divisional matchup, Raiders at Broncos. This one feels simple to me, but it's never simple. The Broncos should win this game easily. They're at home. The Raiders are in shambles. Josh Jacobs just got there. But I think this is going to be a battle all game. I have the Broncos winning, but 24-20. to Jimmy Garoppolo is not a terrible quarterback. He is an average to sometimes above average. And very few times, a really good quarterback. Um, That's why I think they'll stay in the game. Russell Wilson will be better than he was last year. Couldn't be much worse, but he's not going to ever be that guy again, in my opinion. That's why I think Sean Payton, it's a slow down game. It's kind of a figure it out game for them. Josh McDaniels, yikes. Um, That's all I'm going to say on that with the whole him, Chandler Chandler Jones, and just yikes. Um, Denver's a three and a half point favorite. Uh, so I have them covering this. I only have a confidence level of four on it. Could have been higher, but I'm telling you, this is a... I could readily see them winning this game by three. I could readily see them winning this game by seven or ten. Don't touch it. It's three and a half. That hook will bring you back. It, it, it'll it'll mess you up. So I would err towards not betting on uh, either way. Um <laughs> Lo and behold, the over-under is 44, and my combined score is 44, so it's another non-applicable NA because, well, can't tell you to bet on this when there is no over or under that I'm suggesting. All right, moving on to the next game. Now, this one is a sneaky game. I think this will be a sneaky good game, especially if you have the NFL package or you're out of the bar. Watch this game. Eagles at Patriots. Sneaky game. I think the Patriots will be much improved on offense. They're going to have a competent offensive coordinator in place. 
Mac Jones will look more like rookie year Mac Jones, but not exceptional because he's not exceptional. He is a much better quarterback, though, than he showed last year because virtually no one could have done well in that, that dumpster fire of a situation they put that young man in. On the opposite side of the ball, defense is always absurd for the Patriots, and it will be this year again. The Eagles. The Eagles are coming off a Super Bowl loss. We've seen really good teams kind of go in the tank and in a dumpster the year after losing to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl hangover. I don't think that'll be the Eagles. I think that they're a good enough team. They have a good enough leader at quarterback. Offensive line having Jason Kelsey on it. Having defensive stalwarts like Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay. But also with young talent behind them. So it's not like if their talent falls off, they don't have replacements. Especially on the D-line. My whole thing is, I think that this is a... Uh, a punch, 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 back and forth game. The score doesn't dictate how close I think this game is because I think the Eagles score a touchdown late. Uh, but I have the Eagles here, 26 to 17. Uh, I think it'll be much closer than that nine point score, but it won't feel that way uh, for most of the game. It'll feel closer than the nine point uh, differential. Eagles are four point favorites here. I think that's actually a good set line, especially for a game like this. Though I do think the Eagles can cover that. I put a confidence level of 9 on it because I just have this feeling that even if it's tied late, the Eagles put a touchdown up. Which is basically what I'm saying here. It'll be a a close game late and the Eagles put a touchdown up. That's basically what's going on. Okay. And then they go for two just to to make it an absurd situation. Instead of kicking the extra point and making it an 8-point game... They say, let's get this over with and make it a nine-point game. So they go for two. The tush push with Jalen Hurts, it's all good. All right, the over-under is 45 points. I have 43, so it's the under. While that is a thing, it's also not a thing I'm recommending. I would stay away from the over-under in this game. I think that neither team will care about putting up quality points, trying to put up and run up a score. They're trying to get out there with a W. So, I put a confidence level of four on it. I wouldn't bet on it. I would bet on the Eagles covering that four points, though. Moving on, you got the what could be the most fantasy-friendly game of the week. It is the Dolphins at the Chargers. Let's go ahead and get this one over. Dolphins 30, Chargers 27. I don't trust the Chargers yet. I don't specifically trust the Dolphins either, but I'm going to lean towards the team with better talent on offense, especially with the Tyree Kill and the Jalen Waddle, who's going to play most likely. And then, with Vic Fangio coming in to take care of that defense, I'm going to trust that defense. I'm just not going to trust Brandon Staley. That's that's pretty much my analysis here. Pretty simple. Chargers are three-point favors. So, I am taking the Chargers to uh, lose. So, I have the Dolphins with a confidence level of six. While I don't trust them, I also barely trust what's going on in that whole scenario and my apologies, if you can hear uh, the lawn people outside, I guess it needs to be done, but it's just frustrating when they do it during a show. Um, but the over-under on this is four, uh, 51. I have 57 combined points, and I just put a 5 on it. This one is one that I believe the over is going to hit on, but I can readily see the under being a thing. Trust me on this when I say it is an ugly scenario when it's a big number and all of a sudden you get a defensive uh, scenario happening. So it's a bet your own risk. I would lean it towards the over though. And the last game on the 425 slate is going to be another West Coast game and that is the Rams at the Seahawks. Now on the surface, the Rams should get blown out. There's no Cooper Cup. We don't know what Matt Stafford is. 
that defense does not have anything outside of really Aaron Donald. But it's a defensive, it's a divisional matchup. And you know how those go sometimes. So, while I think the Seahawks could have their coming out party and prove how good some people think they are, including myself, I think they're going back to the playoffs. I don't think it was a fluke last year. Uh, But I can also see them just kind of hold the water, right? Getting a close game. They don't get in the end zone as much as they want to. Again, I have a 23 to 17. I can see them getting down there, kicking three field goals, not punching it in, and getting a little bit tight. Um, So, I only have them winning by six. Oddly enough, the over-under is five and a half. So, while I think that the Seahawks would win outright, they are a recommendation for your survivor pool. It's a reasonable line at five and a half. Again, I have six here. So, I have a confidence level of four on it. Wouldn't tell you to necessarily bet on it. If you did bet on it, it wouldn't be a horrible thing. Now, the over-under on this is 46. I have the under at 40 points. Again, I don't see how the Rams score a bunch. But I can see the Seahawks also shutting it down as well. So, I have a confidence level of 6 on this. I think the under hits. I just don't like what the Rams have to offer right now. I could definitely be wrong. But with that offensive line, there's a lack of explosion out of the backfield. No Cooper Cup. This feels pretty like a pretty underish game. All right, we're down to the last two games and two divisional matchups. That's been the key to week one, and it's usually the key at the end of the season. We have the Cowboys at the Giants. Now, this is always a good game, even when one of the teams is more talented than the other. I'm just going to lean this one towards the Cowboys. I think that they are they're going to have probably the best defense in the entire NFL this year. And I have them winning this one 24 to 20. I know you know my opinion of the Giants led by Daniel Jones. I think that they'll be a good football team. This is a football team that could win 10 games, but I'm going to have them with seven wins this year. It's not because they're terrible. It's because they're not going to be able to win these games, and they're probably going to drop a game they shouldn't. They'll win a game they shouldn't, but a game like this, I'm going to trust the team with more talent, the better quarterback, the better situation. The only thing that's better for the Giants, truthfully, if unless we're going with positions, yes, tight end's better, is the coaching. I think that Dable's a better coach than Mike McCarthy, period. The Dallas Cowboys are three and a half point favorites. Vegas is on board with how I think here. I have them uh, winning by four. Vegas had them as three and a half point favorites. I'm going to have the Cowboys covering this with a conference level of six. I think that there's a chance they could blow out the Giants. I don't think there's a chance the Giants could blow out the Cowboys. That's why I'm saying, you know what? The Cowboys can cover that three and a half. Conference level of six on it is what I'm putting down. Over under is 45.5. I have the under at 44 points. Now, very similarly, it's really close. I only have a confidence level of three on this one because I could see you them going over that 45.5 uh, and having like 47 points. Giants lose 27 to 20. Um, so I would say stay away from that particular. There's a lot of other juicy things to bet on. You don't have to bet on everything. If you get three or four or five, you bet on them individually and you put them in a parlay. Uh, Hell, you get five, you put one in a full parlay, all five. You put three of the bets, your favorite three, in a short parlay, and then you put money on all five of the games so that you get something back. And then last but not least, uh, game of the week, it seems like, even though it's not billed as that, Monday Night Football, Bills at Jets. This one feels simple for me. I think that both of these teams are going to make the playoffs because both of these teams are good football teams, really good football teams. 
I'm going to go with the team that's done it before. The team that's not new. The team that, even though they have offensive line issues, their quarterback can move. I'm taking the Bills 23-20 over the Jets. Now, the Bills are two and a half point favorites, so technically, I'm saying that they cover. Here's the problem. And yes, I have a confidence level of five on this one. Here's the problem. That line is juicy for the Bills. Juicy lines sometimes tell me something. Um, it actually tells me that people are probably going to bet on the Jets. People are going to bet on the Jets to cover that. They're going to be like, oh, they're at home and all this stuff. It's a juicy line for the Bills. I would put my money on the Bills personally, but I don't have a lot of confidence in this one because I don't know what this, what's going to happen with the Bills. I don't know how they come out from last season with everything that happened. And then the over-under is 46 points. I have a confidence level of four on that because I have the under. I believe that this will be a low-scoring, punching game because both defenses are good. Really good, in fact. But both offenses have a lot of talent on them as well. So that's the whole slate of games, folks. I'm hoping I helped you out with some suggestions, some commentary. I'll be doing this, and I'll also be doing some shorts uh, to insert on YouTube early on until I get things put into order like I want them. So I might do a short on this uh, tomorrow just or, or Saturday as a reminder, that type of deal, fill in. But we'll see how that goes. So for the first episode of Season 3 of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast, this is Chris James signing off. Yes, I forgot to mention this as well. Again, this is preseason for me to some extent. You can follow me on most social medias at CJ Florida 9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number 9. X, which I have not used for a minute. I will have to use that during the season, even though it's, yeah, I barely liked it when it was Twitter, but now I'm assured not loving it since it's now called X. Ridiculous. But before I sign off, I usually leave you with words of care. I recently made a decision to bet on myself. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm assured that I'm going to make it. It doesn't mean that I'm assured that I know what I'm doing, but I have an idea. And one of the things I have is not only belief in myself, but the belief of others. I'm hoping that you also have that. Even if you don't realize it, there are people who believe in you, but you have to start by believing in yourself. So please do that. Take care. Enjoy tonight's game and enjoy the first week of NFL football. Goodbye.